What's up everyone? As always, if you miss this, don't have time to watch the whole thing live, feel free to go um, a couple days after we get them up on uh, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. So feel free to watch it whenever you have a chance. Hey, what's Hi. up, brother? How you doing? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. How are you? Just teasing me with that beautiful weather. I thought I might. I thought I might give you a little taste of home. Oh, I'm jealous. I miss it. I miss that weather. I'm sure you do. What do you guys got right now? Uh, today, well, it was sunny today, so that's an improvement. But it was maybe like tops 40, and that's like the warmest day this week. So no way. Yeah. Nah. No, I'm I'm spoiled now. I'm getting I'm getting a taste of taste of Florida. I'm I'm glad I ended up down here. No, it's a it's a great place to live. I'm uh I'm glad I spend my off seasons at least there. That's right. Are you guys so? What's the deal? Are you guys practicing right now or? Uh, just by themselves right now. Uh, yeah. They're saying maybe in a couple of weeks we can start doing team trainings again. So hopefully, but I'll tell you the biggest frustration I had. I got a new jacket, got it like tailored everything like a proper manager for game day nice. jacket, winter yep. one. Yep. Won't have to. I brought it all the way here to just have wow. it sit in my closet. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You do have great manager swag. I was gonna tell you that. That's a. Hey, you know what I say? I say you gotta look the part. At least. At least you no. got that. You know. Even that's if you right. lose, then at least you look like you knew what you were doing. That's right. That's right. No man, it looks <laughs> looks sharp out there. It looks sharp out there. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Welcome back to another footy and coffee conversations. Are you drinking any coffee today? I am drinking a little bit. It's, it's a little late here, but I am drinking a little bit of coffee out of my out of my Cowboys cup that oh. just just delivered from Amazon today. So definitely oh. on it. Cowboys, come on, mm -hmm. man! I mean, no, not only it's a tough existence. It's like being an Arsenal fan. Are you an Arsenal fan? Absolutely not. Okay, good. I was gonna no, say, no. yeah. You can't no. you can't be both fans. Oof, no, that would be that would be too rough. That'd be too rough. I'm a I'm a Bayern Munich fan all the way. Going back, that's where my family originated out of was was Munich. My my godparents still live in Aschaffenburg, right outside Munich. Oh wow. Um, so yeah, we uh we got close ties and actually that was that was one of the things that uh I bonded with uh, Marcel Schaefer over because little known fact he's from Aschaffenburg. I mean it's probably oh, like wow. thirty thousand people. And uh, we kind of realized it on the field in Rochester. We were playing, and I knew who Marcel was. I'd grown up watching him. So now I'm playing against him, and I remember there's a an injury break, a water break, and I, I walked over to him, and he was drinking. And I was like, oh, I'm going to say something. So I'm like, hey, Marcel, like, huge fan. Like, dude, it's awesome to awesome to be playing against you. I appreciate you, like, coming over. How's it been? And he's like, oh, man, Jochen, like, very German. And I was like, yeah, you know, my family's from – Aschaffenburg and he's like oh Aschaffenburg I'm from Aschaffenburg and then from then on I was just like yeah it was cool he's, he's a really cool guy at that point like after the game we chatted gave me his number we started talking at that point and that was a big reason why I think I got to uh, make the move down here I like that that's yeah. crazy yeah we had we had a similar thing with cause last year we were playing in the game and he's like playing against this midfielder and he's like I he looks so familiar so he looks at the roster after the game and he realizes it's a guy for the played for the Chicago Fire when he was in the youth academy that he had like, watched growing up. <laughs> yep, yep. It's fun, man. It's cool. Soccer's such a small world, right? Yeah, very small. All right, so just to get started, if you want to talk a little bit about your youth career, um, what that looked like, how you ended up deciding what university to go to, and then we'll get into it. Sure, man. Yeah, so I grew up in Dallas. 
Um, every Dallas kid growing up wants to uh, wants to play at SMU, especially those days. SMU was was top four for like felt like forever. Um, so I, I started. I was at uh, Dallas Texans for for quite some time, and then ended up making a switch over to a club called Andromeda, which is where I, I found a ton of success. You know, we had a really good team. I was there for my last three years of academy. We won back-to-back national championships. You know, that was that was pre-DA days and all that stuff. So it was still U.S. youth soccer. Um, yeah, back-to-back national championships. Was on a, was on an awesome team. Led, led the country in goals both of those years and ended up committing to SMU um, early my junior year. Um, so had that going. And, yeah, you know, that was, that was special because, like I said, growing up, you wanted to play there. Um, Is professional – is professional soccer on your radar at all at that time? I mean, that was my dream. That's what I always wanted to do. I mean, at that point, I, I didn't know necessarily if I had what it took. I was just, you know, I was just trying to, to do the best I could. And I think, you know, college was always a big, big uh, emphasis in my house. My parents were were very set on me going. And once I started getting some offers and calls, you know, it seemed like that was going to be the that was going to be the route for sure. Um, so, but, you know, looking, looking at the amount of players that SMU pumps into, into MLS and stuff like that, that was definitely what I was, what I was hoping for. Absolutely. So you end up, you end up deciding on SMU, you go there, kind of talk through what happens at that point. Yeah, man. Yeah, no. So Shellis Hinman was the, was the coach that recruited me, legendary coach, been there 20 plus years, um, two weeks before preseason calls me and says, you know, I'm taking the FC Dallas job. And FC Dallas had been trying to get him for, for a long time. You know, he's a big name in the area. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had finally decided to go for it. So that kind of meant we were a little bit out of luck. But, you know, he's like, don't worry, you're going to be in good hands. Um, Tim McClements is the assistant coach. He's going to take over. Um, you know, your scholarship, everything's going to be good to go. I'll be watching. So we'll, we'll stay in touch, whatever. So get there. Preseason's going great. I'm loving it. Three weeks in, we're playing against Tyler Junior College. Um, Dom Dwyer and uh, yeah. tear my meniscus. Oh. Uh, I round, rounded the goalkeeper, got played in on a breakaway, rounded the goalkeeper, and he just cleaned me out, um, tore my meniscus. So that was kind of kind of the end of my freshman year. Luckily, it was just a little shave. It wasn't a repair, so it wasn't too long of a layoff. But uh, but yeah, that was that was a bit of a bummer. And uh, and the team went from being incredible, um, obviously many many years before, to super super mediocre. And a lot of players didn't like the didn't like the change. So. It wasn't for me either, so I ended up transferring to uh, to Bradley DeRose. Jim DeRose had, had been recruiting me through call through uh, high school, and that was that was one of my my other other choices that I liked a lot. So went up, checked it out. Tons of snow. Had no idea what I was looking at, and uh, yeah, ended up deciding to go there. And you had uh, was it two sisters that played tennis at Bradley? That's right. That's right. That's right. Both of them. Uh, it was funny actually. The head tennis coach was like six five. 215 just a huge guy and he would he would work the security behind our bench at home games so i you know i got to know him pretty well really cool guy and you know i told him you know my little sisters play tennis we're super close family would love to have them around you know what do you think like you could do as far as getting them up here and he goes oh absolutely i'll take a look and yeah sure enough one came and then then the other one came shortly after so we were all three up there at the same time oh wow yeah what was your what was your first thought that first winter 
dude, I don't know, man. We were playing in a bubble. I'd never seen a bubble before. <laughs> I mean, I was freezing. At, and like, I played in snow, but like living in it was just, yeah, it was, it was something else. It was definitely a different experience. Little, little did I know it was, it was foreshadowing of things to come uh, and where I'd end up. But yeah, no, that was, that was pretty, pretty scary experience the first, first few weeks living up there. Yeah, I, I can imagine my roommate freshman year was from Texas as well. So it was oh, it's right. a big it's a big adjustment going up into that winter. Um, no so, doubt about it. So how how does uh, Bradley go for you? What's your experience through those years? Bradley Bradley was was good for me. Um, it was you know it was a place where I was able to come in as a freshman and and even though I was playing, I played a little bit out of position. I played on the right wing my first year. Um, you know it was a good experience. I think. A lot of things that college lacks as far as player development, um, especially outside the, the big schools like Akron, North Carolina, Duke, these schools, you know, you see a lot of players, their growth is stunted a little bit um, because college has a way of playing and obviously with the substitution rules and stuff where I don't know that it necessarily prepares players the best way to, uh, to transition into the professional game. But what I did take out of that was, you know, how to be a young guy coming into a locker room in a completely different culture, completely different city. Um, the guys were really, really, you know, tough. I came in straight away and took spot of, of a guy who was an upperclassman who'd been waiting his turn basically. Oh, wow. and, and that, that wasn't great for me as far as the upperclassmen, you know, yeah, they wanted me to, to do well when I was playing, but they, they were pretty tough on me and it was, it was difficult. Um, but, you know, like I said, it prepared me. It helped me a lot in that way to, to kind of take what it's like to be an international player coming into a locker room in another country, um, to be a young guy coming into a locker room with, with older guys. So I definitely took a lot out of that and work ethic. I mean, college soccer, you know how it is. It's a track meet. It's up and down, especially the way that Bradley played. So, yeah, man, I was I was I, I took a lot out of it. Not your traditional develop your ability and, and tactical awareness and all that stuff. But I did. uh I did take a lot from it. Yeah, I feel like Bradley's pretty notorious for their fitness and yeah. running and tests and things like that. Obviously, you're yeah. kind of a, a grinder and willing to work hard on the field. Uh, yeah. What was what was your experience with that first preseason with the fitness tests and all? Well, we uh, we ran and it's it's kind of an infamous fitness test at Bradley called the two one one, which obviously doesn't really equate to what the modern game is, but it was, it was a mental test and we would run two miles under 12 minutes, six minute break, one mile and under six, six minute break, one mile and under six. So, you know, I know a lot of guys are doing boredom fitness at this point with the quarantine and stuff. Like if you want to give it a go, get out there. It's uh, it's not fun. It's not fun. I think I must have run it six, seven times in my college career, and every mile never fails. After the third mile, I'm throwing up. Oh. Same spot because it was through a neighborhood. So same spot every year. I would walk by it throughout the school year, and I'd be like, I will see you in the spring. Like I knew that was going to be my spot every time. I hope you, like, gave a little care package to the neighbors. Like, <laughs> so sorry about leaving that on the front lawn. Yeah, no, I, I, I never really – there was nothing that they were going to go through finding – my throw up there that I didn't just go through delivering it. So I didn't actually have any, any, uh, any regrets. Oh gosh. But you passed every time. Passed every time, you know, finished top five every once in a while. So not bad, not bad. And, uh, yeah, you had, you had a successful on the field career at Bradley. Uh, what we finished with ranked eighth in career assists for, for Bradley mm -hmm. and, uh, what total 15 goals, I believe. Yeah. And then yeah, in, 
2012 led the Valley Conference with uh, points per game. Yeah. So yeah. Had, a, yeah. had a lot of success there. Um, at what point uh, at your time at Bradley is professional soccer change from just a, a dream to more of a realistic reality? I think I think going into my senior year, I had a good idea that, you know, I, I had a shot to make it. Um, I, I just seen Brian Gall get drafted and, and he was having having a great time uh, with L.A. And, you know, I thought, OK, well, at least there's a little bit of attention um, at the school. So if I can come in and put up double digit goals and, and we make the tournament, then, then I've got a chance. So I uh, went for it. But, uh, you know, first six, seven games, I think I had five goals. It was it was off to a really good start. And then I ended up tearing my uh, right quad, one of the muscles in my quad. Um, and it was just, it was totally, unfortunately, and it happens sometimes, uh, just totally misdiagnosed, poorly taken care of, ended up just totally butchering my, my senior year, um, which, you know, looking back, it's difficult because, you know, you always think like, what could have been if I would have stayed healthy, they would have treated me the right way, everything would have been taken care of. But, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, I learned a lot of lessons from that too. Yeah, absolutely. So you finish, you finish college and then kind of talk through the route of how professional soccer becomes a reality at that point. You know, at that point, it felt really far away. But I, I kind of kept trying to play through the injury I had. And, uh, I, you know, I, had, I needed time to recover. So I'd gotten invited um, to come into uh, Indy 11's, um, like, identification camp type of thing when they were doing the first the first year before they started. Okay. And, uh, you know, that was Jurgen Sommer and he's, he's a legend. He brought me in and things went really well. Um, they, they wanted to sign me. So, you know, packed my stuff, went back to Santa Barbara where my parents were living to, to get all my things and, uh, was waiting on the contract and, uh, I get a call and, uh, you know, all yacht, like, listen, man, really, you know, it's a tough conversation, but we're, we're actually going to end up passing. Um, we've got an opportunity to sign a pretty high-level player. So you and the two other college guys that we were planning on signing, you know, we're not going to be able to do it. Um, and I was like, okay, well, who, like, who are you bringing in? Um, and uh, he's like, well, you know, you got to keep it on the on the low. There's not that many people know yet, but it's it's Cleverson. I was like, okay, <laughs> great, sounds sounds good, man. Thanks, thanks for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was that was my first experience, no agent, kind of kind of on my own, my first experience with the professional game. And it was kind of a rude awakening just to find out that, you know, people people don't really care. They they just care about what what they can do to kind of improve their stock and, and their position and stuff like that. So, yeah, missed out on that one and uh, ended up where we met in uh, in Chicago at, at Bridges. I spoke to uh, Brett Hall and, and obviously everybody that's familiar with Bridges or the Chicago soccer scene knows this guy. And I mean, he just yeah, he, he taught me a lot about myself and about what it actually takes Um to go from having everything as a division one athlete and getting treated like, like you're, like you're the next thing to, to realizing what it really takes to make it. So I owe a lot to that guy. And, and yeah, Bridges was, Bridges was the first glimpse of what I was going to have to put in to be able to overcome not getting drafted. Um, and, you know, I was willing to do it. Yeah. I don't know if you remember how we are our first encounter that no, summer. and we were, we were we were messaging about this, but I don't know, and I'm so, a little bit nervous because I was kind of a prick back then. So, so uh, I had graduated on a Saturday from university and had driven up that night to Chicago, and I get in, so it's Sunday, it's my first 
full day after you know graduating i'm still on like a high of getting my degree and brett texts me and goes hey we have training at campton united tonight at like 10 30 or 11 at night can you come yeah. and i was yeah. like i mean i guess i'm in chicago i might as well <laughs> so i i go there and you know it's my first time back in front of brett and the team in six months or something so i'm trying to you know be be out there and working hard and everything and I get paired against you and some, we're playing some drill and obviously I'm a defender, you're an attacker. And I don't know what happens exactly, but I like fall or something and I get, I get cleated on my thigh. And dude, I remember it was so like the, the bruise is nasty. I even put it on Instagram. I'll post, I'll post the photo. Uh, Please do. This part. And I Please have this do. bruise for like the next like two weeks and I get home and I'm like, oh no. Because then I'm just thinking, he's a striker, so I'm just going to be having to defend him all summer. This is how the first day went. This is not going to be good for us. We went at it all summer, too, man, didn't we? We had uh, – who else was it? Was it Ozzy? I'm trying to remember. Who, who was the that went to school with you? Um, the guy who played for Indy, tall guy, really, really good center back. Um, oh, Corey Miller. Corey Miller. Corey Miller. Yeah, yeah there he it is. He's so yeah. tall the tall you two were just as skyscrapers over me i remember battling you guys and uh yeah good summer though yeah so that was that was my first uh interaction with you so i was i was nervous friendly. at that point but yeah very friendly it got better yeah yeah that's right man that's right what a time uh, so you go you go on the bridges summer trip um you finally you get signed if you want to talk about that what's your experience then in europe yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was that was a really cool trip. Um, you know, we got to play against some some big clubs, and obviously, anyone who's ever been on one of those trips with Bridges knows it's it's interesting. Um, and I think we were, we were playing. You know, we've been playing Superettan teams. Um, you know, teams from the top league in Denmark, and you know that was that was where I was aiming, and that's where Bridges was was hoping I would land. And you know, I, I don't think I don't remember more than maybe two or three guys getting getting trials or anything out of that out of that trip, even though it felt like we had a pretty good, pretty good team. And then we go down to the small city in Sweden called lead shipping and we're playing uh, a game. And Brett, you know, Brett calls me over the night the night before, you know, and he's sitting there, he's smoking his half smoked cigar from the day before um, sitting out. And he's like, come on, come over here, sit with me, sit with me. So. I sit down with him and, you know, always trying to listen and just soak up everything he says. And, and he's like, listen, tomorrow is a game for, for the young guys that are here on the trip, you know, get them a chance to get on the field and stuff. And he goes, but, you know, this is a team that needs a striker. Because I'm going to put you on in the second half. Just just go destroy them. Go destroy them. Let's, let's, let's put you out there. It'll be a good start. And, you know, there's two months left in the season. You stay here for two months, you enjoy it, and then and then we, we move you up. It'll be a good, uh, good place for you to get some get some visibility. So mm-hmm. sure thing, coach, whatever you say, go to bed the next day. Halftime comes around, puts me in. Um, I remember scoring twice. And, uh, yeah, 20 minutes later after the game, I'm sitting there. I'm excited just because I loved scoring goals, and I was happy to be there. And he called him and Emil called me over and they're like, listen, man, these guys want to sign you. What do you think? You want to stay? Whatever. And uh, I think at the end of it, they offered me something like $400 plus plus a cabin and like a grocery store <laughs> gift card or some some shit like that. They get um, you a bicycle I, at least? Yeah, I got a, I got a bike. Uh, there you um, go. <laughs> used bike though, not not new. Uh, used bike. And uh, and yeah, I was I was super excited to be there and it turned out to be the, one of my fondest, 
some of my fondest memories. Um, you know, that coach there, Giddis, was was incredible for me. I spent every morning, you know, because the team didn't train until three, four in the afternoon. I spent every morning training with him. Um, you know, we lived right down the street from each other. He, he was just football obsessed. He would have me to his house. We would, his wife would make dinner. We would sit and talk strategy and, and tactics and watch games and do all this stuff. And it was, it was exactly what I wanted to, to be doing at that point. So I, really, I, I love that. From, from maybe coming from Bridges, which is maybe more so similar to Bradley in the sense of just like pure outworking teams. Um, right. I'm sure that was beneficial to your career to have kind of right. sitting down and focusing more on the tactics and you know that aspect of it yeah for sure and and the technical side you know i was i was a bruiser i had to work you know i was always quicker than than a lot of my competition so i was able to just run by people and that you know that was great but at the same time it doesn't help you develop necessarily because you're not you're not using your feet the same way you would i i wasn't a hold up player I wasn't a target by any means i was just runs in behind and, and that was something that helped me a lot along the way but, you know, I had to develop and spending so much time on the ball and, and spending so much time training with Giddis that those first two, three months of my time over there really helped me out. Yeah. Yeah. Speed works until you meet someone faster and then you have nothing, right? Exactly. Exactly. You got to be uh, smarter. So you, you finish those uh, the second half of the season. You come back to the U.S. Um, at that point, are you thinking trying to play in, in Sweden and moving up the ladder? Or are you thinking maybe give the U.S. another shot? Yeah. So at that point, you know, maybe there was one or two kind of like leads or, you know, invites for preseason um, in the U.S. But, you know, the USL was nothing like what it is now. Um, and I felt like, you know, I had a I had a German passport. I felt like that was going to be the best chance for me to move up. So I, I wanted to stay there. And I did. I, I think I only came home for maybe two weeks before I was back over there um, going on trial with the team that had just gotten promoted. Um, from Division Two to to the first division in Karlstad, and yeah, went on trial there for a week. Had a great week. Enjoyed the city. It was a much bigger city. I think lead shipping was maybe twenty, thirty thousand. Karlstad was more like one hundred and twenty. Yeah, um, so big by, Swedish, by Swedish standards, it's a huge metropolitan area. So <laughs> I was excited to sign with them. Um, I remember going on trial, and then the last thing was was a was a game uh, Saturday. Saturday afternoon in Karlstad, which was two hours from where I was living in lead shipping. And I remember the night before the game, I had come back to lead shipping for end of year awards party. And you've, you've been to these type of parties, like these guys show out, like they're, they're turning up. They have a good they're, time. They're everybody. committed to the party. They are. They are. They're having a good time. The whole club is there, both all the teams and stuff, all the people from the city. And it, it was a great time, but I had to dip out relatively early so I could get ready for the game the next day. And uh, yeah, I went out there. I, I scored in that game and ended up getting an offer and yeah, signed with Karlstad, which was which was super exciting to to make my first step up the ladder. Yeah, and uh, for those who don't know, kind of the big the biggest gap maybe in in the level of seriousness in football in Sweden is that second to first division. Uh, second divisions still kind of not the same requirements and stuff, whereas first division becomes much more serious and everything. So what? What's your experience then getting into a much more uh, intense environment? I mean, you know, even at that at that point, Carl said being a club that was getting promoted in was still, you know, even though they had more finances than, than teams of the division that they just came out of, they were they were small compared to compared to the clubs that were already mainstays um, in their new level. Um, so, you know, they were still 
a lot of guys on the team that, you know, worked, they would wake up at five in the morning, um, six in the morning to go work. And then they would be at training by one thirty. Um, and, and they're looking at you differently because you're, you're on a full contract, you know, you're getting your apartment taken care of, you're eating at, at the restaurants in the city that they're paying for every day. So, you know, I was a little bit naive at that point thinking, you know, oh, well, everybody's on this, like everybody's like this, but, but that's not the case. You know, you're talking about a lot of guys that are from the city, from the area that grew up in the club um, that just happened to, to be a little bit more talented um, than, than the rest. So it was an interesting, interesting situation. Um, but, you know, I learned a lot. It was more competitive and uh, you know, the determination to stay in the league was, was big, which we, which we ended up doing at the end was, which was really rewarding feeling. Yeah, no, it's uh, it is an interesting thing when you come <clears throat> as a foreigner because it's a much different experience as a foreigner in the league than as a local player in it, and how right. maybe the club takes care of you differently and things like right. that. So right. it's definitely uh, you got to be careful of making good relation, or you need to make sure you make good relationships with the locals if you want to stay on the right good side. Right, for sure, for sure. Uh, and I tried. I think that's important. Players going over to Europe, you know, to get to immerse yourself in the culture. You know, a lot of American players go over and, you know, it's easy to just try and stick to your own ways. But I think I made an effort to learn the language, um, to be a part of the culture and, and do that. And that, that served me really well. 100%. So at the end of that year, you're able to stay up. Um, are you thinking at all about going back there or looking for a different opportunity? What's going through your mind? Um, you know, at that point, I was I was pretty happy over there. And, and I thought, you know, I had already moved up once. So why not stick around and try to do it again? Um, Carl Studd had offered me a new deal. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I just felt like the club wasn't really going in the right direction. There was a lot of problems within the club and the, and the ownership and the management. Um, you know, the, the top players are not happy with, with the way that things are being handled. And, and some of those guys were really close friends of mine. So, you know, talking to them, you know, their, their advice to me and they were just like, man, if, if you've got a, got another deal to go somewhere else, like you should, you should look at, at going for it because, I mean, it's just not going to go well here. So, you know, luckily I, I, I got a good offer to go to go to Oskarsham, um, a small, small city again, but beautiful um, on the water, on the, the, the south, south, west, southeast, southeast corner, kind of in the middle, um, right on the water. So, yeah, I got the opportunity to go there and took it. How was that experience? Uh, it was awesome. Um, you know, there, there's always challenges when you're changing cities and clubs, especially in, a, in another country, but was was really happy there um, made some incredible friends I was joined by a guy who was a really close friend of mine even to this day that I played with and lead shipping in my first club um, he came and signed on and, and we were already really close friends and it was amazing to have him there because it was you know for the first time in my career I had a little bit of continuity um, you know there were there were a couple other guys in the team other other foreign guys that, that I got along well with and and you know they welcomed me great facility great city so I, I really enjoyed myself there yeah so now you had been for two and a half years essentially basically living in Sweden um, mm -hmm. are you missing are you missing home are you missing family are you pretty focused on on playing in Sweden kind of what's going yeah. through your mind yeah it was interesting you know I had um I, I missed my family for sure, but I think leaving leaving Dallas and, and being away from my family at that young age, I was like, you know, it's it is what it is. You know, they, I w I was always in constant contact with them, and I had family in Europe that I would get to see occasionally. So I was I was pretty focused on what I was doing. So I I, I didn't I wasn't opposed to staying. 
Um, but, you know, I'd gone back and forth the last off season with, with Bob Lilly about joining in Rochester. And I think where I saw where the league was going um, and saw the team, what they did going to the final against Red Bull. Um, and I thought, okay, well, if I have a chance to join these guys, you know, they, they fit my style of play. They're a bunch of grinders who, who just try to beat people's ass and, and, and get after it. So I was like, you know what, that looks like a, a squad that, that I could fit into. So, so yeah, made that made the decision to come back and ended up in in preseason in Rochester, New York, left left Europe behind. Yeah, what's the uh to you the biggest difference maybe in the Swedish football compared to American soccer? I think the I think the mentality is a lot different. The approach to the game is a lot different. You know, you spend look, I think now in America there's there's plenty of people who know what they're talking about from a tactical standpoint. You know, the coaches are are plenty qualified at that level now. Um, so I, I wouldn't say the biggest difference. I, I would just say the the pace and the tempo which the game is played. I think if you watch the Alstvanska and the and the Superettan in Sweden, you'll see that you know the build up play is a little bit a little bit more monotonous side to side. Uh, as a target forward, you're constantly moving side to side, checking in. You're you're looking to find the ball. Um, but in the U.S., you know you can you can end up in a in an absolute track meet. You're playing against some ins- insane athletes. Um, you know, guys like Damian Lowe come to mind, you know, Aaron Long, like these guys are, they're, they're machines and they're, they're great with their feet. So I think it's, it's more of a hybrid over here. Um, and, and like I said, the player mentality, you know, for the most part, I remember in Sweden, you'd get a yellow card, the Swedish players anyway, would get a yellow cards for swear words. I would get away with it because I was American and I would be swearing in English and, you know, the, the refs might've thought I was like just a little bit out of my mind, but uh, you go on the field here and that's, that's not quite the case. So. Yeah. They, some differences, some the same, right? I think, yeah. I think too, the a difference that I've experienced somewhat is in the U S like you have some diehard fans, but in in Europe, it seems like they're also very comfortable with coming up to you if they see you out and just yeah. like telling you basically what they think the team like. Go tell a coach basically this is what oh, you for sure. do instead. Yeah. yeah, for sure. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, that's where they don't lack confidence in those no. moments. No, they'll be shy until they until until the right moment. And then I I, I even there was a journalist in Oscar Schoen who I still even to this day can't stand this guy. Um, and you know, I just remember him dogging me all season. Just, I would have, if I played well, find the mistakes. If I didn't play well, just pile it on. Um, you know, and, and the stuff this guy would say just with so much confidence. I mean, it's still to this day, I came across some serious jackasses in the media for the most, for the most part, everyone's great, but there's always a couple and this guy ranks up there. I'm still, I still can't get over this guy. Um, yeah, no problem. Up at a bar, whatever, he'll walk right up to you and tell you exactly what he's thinking or what he's gonna write the next day. So, I had I had a uh, somebody wait outside of our locker room after it lost one zero, and uh, obviously, like that's a it was a tough tough game, tight tight result, and probably not the time to want to talk about the game right after with just a random mm-hmm. person. And he pulled out a pen and paper and started drawing like what he thought I should have done on set pieces because he was convinced that's the reason we lost the game. And I was, I didn't that want guy. to be rude, but I was like, hey, this is, this is not the time. Yeah, guy, send me an email, man. <laughs> um, so you get, you get back to the U S um, how's your, how's your first year? How does that go in Rochester? It was awesome, man. It was awesome. I, I was, I was in a place where, you know, the team was, was really, really talented. You see some, some quality players that are, 
that are scattered across the league now that are that are incredible players and um yeah i was really happy i I think the best part was the fact that my friends and family got to be more involved in my career you know games weren't on at 3 a.m they were they were on at seven o'clock on saturday so that that was probably the biggest change and you know i was fortunate to to score score a boatload of goals there and we had a really good team we made a good run um, we lost. I think we lost in the conference semifinals away to Louisville, one nil, and we we had our chances. We definitely controlled the controlled the game in the first half against, and and everyone knows what a quality club and team Louisville uh-huh. was and is. So, yeah, that was a pretty bit pretty bitter the way it ended. Um, but the first year was just you know the way that it all came came closing was was really bizarre. You know the club ends up folding financial reasons you know they built a great stadium and the the city didn't love it the location or whatever there's a lot of different problems the owners and you know the club I had an option and they told me right after the season they said you're you're not going anywhere you know I was I had a great year and probably tripled my my worth um from a market perspective and they were like you're nah man you're making what's on that paper like you're sticking around you're you led the team in goals I can't justify to the owners letting you letting you just go. So, um, so yeah, I was I was getting ready to stay there and come back for a second season, and then we get a text one morning, two or three weeks after the season ends, that the club is is gonna gonna fold, and then just all hell breaks loose. And the clubs that that were coming after me at that point and finding it difficult with Rochester's resistance, or where you know they saw I was a free agent, and, uh, and that was a that was a quick turnaround you know I made I made a fast decision to to come to Tampa that was, that was a place that made me a great offer and it's hard to say no so yeah what yeah. um I think you know as a younger player it's easy to kind of go to a different club new environment every year because you're you're constantly kind of chasing that upward movement and so you're willing mm-hmm. to do that as you get older in the career I think stability and familiarity is a important aspect to a lot of people want so Mm -hmm. is that what's that mentally like to kind of you know you're gonna you're thinking to yourself all right I'm coming back for the first time in my professional career to the same club I finally Mm -hmm. know kind of the the style of play the fans the city and then to have that all kind of ripped out I'm sure was frustrating oh for sure um it's it's you hit it 100% on the head that's you know, I, I was definitely looking for a situation where I could have a little bit more familiarity. Um, I think, you know, you can always you can always find traction in your first season if it's the right fit. But when you you know, there's always the sophomore slump people look at. But, you know, for the most part, it's it's nice to, to know what you're going in for. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So that was a little bit disappointing. But at the same time, um, you know, I was my dad and I remember talking to him. He's just like, you've you've already done this a million times. You, you've you made mistakes. You, you've you've made good decisions. You know what to do. So just go ahead and, and, and keep keep your experiences handy as you go through it. So that, that even though I was a little bit disappointed to be leaving at the same time, I was I was just really stoked and excited to, to head to Florida and get out of the snow. Yeah, you're finally back to uh, my neck of the woods, finally right. back to uh, an enjoyable preseason location. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's right. What's, what's your experience living in Florida, especially coming from Texas? Yeah, no, you know, I always thought Florida was just Florida man, like insane people <laughs> with super hot weather. And yeah, no, it was it it was great. They, the club is it's an incredible club, a great place to play. The fans are the fans are top drawer, um, a lot of talent in the team um so you know i was i was really really happy to to be here preseason was was fantastic and 
you know, I hit the ground running. Um, we had some preseason games. I think I scored, I scored four goals that preseason and I was, I was really looking forward to the year. So it was, it was off to a great start. <clears throat> um, you know, I picked up, I remember we play, we were playing the, the Sun Coast Invitational Tournament that the Rowdies have every year. You know, it's a handful of MLS clubs and, and the Rowdies play and it went great. Um, I was, I was buzzing afterwards. I remember we played Philly and the next day, Sunday, Sunday, I'm just chilling at the apartment, walking around, whatever, watching TV. I get up to, to go get a coffee and I take a step and I feel my foot and all of a sudden it's just throbbing. It was pain. And I, I didn't have an injury after the game. I was, I was totally oh, wow. fine. I'd been awake for six hours, like no issues. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, like what, what, what's going on? Talk to the trainers. All right, we'll, we'll check you out tomorrow morning. So go in and, uh, you know, they can't really find anything wrong, but I'm in a ton of pain. I can't even get, I tried to get my cleat on for training. I, I couldn't even get it on. So wow. uh, I get a scan, turns out, you know, there's, there's nothing there. They, they don't see anything. There's just some inflammation. They think, okay, maybe a muscle a tendon in the foot, you know, just, just got rubbed the wrong way. It's going to take a couple of days, whatever, you know, by the following Wednesday, I was back in training. I missed, I think the only thing I missed was the inter-squad scrimmage that we had that weekend. So I missed a couple of days of training. I'm on the bike for the scrimmage. You know, I didn't play. Um, but back in training by Wednesday, which coincidentally that off day, that Wednesday morning I went in for training was the day I met my fiance. Oh, wow. Walking to, walking to the practice field um, with the trainer, Andrew. Um, met my fiance. She was standing on the corner there with, with her dog getting ready to go for a run at like 930. And I uh, bumped into her. I, I nudged Andrew. I said, hey, watch this, man. Walk up completely ignore her go straight for the dog uh-huh right yeah hey how's it going number one rule yeah straight for the dog dog's super patent she's she's all sweet and then uh yeah a couple couple words with kelly and then i'm i'm off to train um but yeah so came back ended up not getting to start the opening game um they just thought okay we're gonna we're gonna rest you whatever and uh you know we won four to two like <laughs> i made i came in made my debut as a sub but we won four to two. We got off to a good start, and that kind of put me behind the eight ball. Um, and and it kind of continued like that until it finally came back around, and I started getting some more chances. Um, but unfortunately, you know, by that time it had already gone from you know first six seven games going really well to to a big dip, and I was getting plugged in. But you know, just the team wasn't playing well. It wasn't going well. Um, you know, I'm not the type of player that creates a bunch of my own chances. You know, I, I rely heavily on, on the talented players around me to for service through balls, crosses, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and, and we were just we were just out of sorts. So unfortunately, you know, Stu Campbell, the coach assigned me, he gets let go. Um, Neil gets put in charge and, and Neil, Neil had faith in me, um, played me uh, three, four, five games. But, you know, things just weren't going well. We were still losing games that we shouldn't have lost and underperforming. So you know, that was, that was it. It goes that quick. Um, you know, was unable to, to find, find the back of the net like I did in preseason, you know, which was extremely frustrating and disappointing, but that was it, man. And then it, it doesn't come back around. You know, that's, that's the nature of professional sports. Sometimes you don't get another crack at it and you just gotta, gotta keep moving forward. Yeah. What? So as a, as a striker, I think it's a unique thing because no matter if you have overall a good game but you miss your shots it's a bad game um right. that's how people are looking at it like your job is to score so if you don't score it's not a good game um right. so if you're not if you're underperforming in that aspect uh mentally that starts to beat up on you uh, i'm right. sure that doesn't help increase the chance of you scoring the next one 
Um, right. What talk a little bit about that, just that mental aspect and how you've learned through your career to kind of stay more even keeled throughout mm -hmm. dips or high moments. Yeah, I think I think that was one thing that I did well from a young age. You know, I was I was I'm super emotional player. I always put it with my heart on my sleeve. Um, and I had some, like I said, great coaches and mentors that kind of said, look, you know, you, you miss one, you got to forget it, go to the next one. And I was able to do that. And I think, I think what was even more difficult was the, I, I was always confident that I could score. <clears throat> I always felt like, you know, if I get a chance, I'll, I'll bury it. Whether I missed one 20 seconds beforehand or not, I always felt like I would score. Um, I think when you get into the higher levels and you're playing in the professional at the pro game, it's what else are you doing? You know, because there's plenty of forwards who can score. Yeah, it's a hard position to find players that can score consistently. But, you know, there's if you're finding the back of the net, it's great. But what are you doing when you're not? Um, and I was always, like you said, a worker. Um, always tried to contribute in other ways as well. Help create uncomfortable situations for defenders. Um, you know, try and create space for, for the other talented guys around me. So I think it's big to, to just keep your head. Realize, look, I'm, I'm good at this. I've done this plenty of times. Um, and, and I'll get the next one, but until the next chance comes, you know, what am I going to do that's going to positively impact the team? Um, and I think that that's important. And, and young players, you know, you're not always going to score. They watch the best players in the world. They miss chances. It happens. It's part of the game. But what you need to be thinking of is, all right, if, if I'm missing a chance or two here and there, what else am I doing? Um, and, I, and I always try to give that advice to especially young attacking players is what else can you offer? I like that. Yeah, it's, Coaches will find it a lot harder to put you on the bench if you're finding different ways to contribute and help the team. That's right. That's right. So the the time with Tampa kind of comes to a close. Mm -hmm. uh, you get moved. Talk about that process, what it's like to to switch teams, all of that. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was my first, <clears throat> first, like, desire to go on loan anywhere. Um, I got the chance to move to Reno. Um, it took a lot longer than I wanted. You know, there were a lot of other scenarios that looked like they were going to pan out over that time, um, but didn't for one reason or another. So, you know, I ended up getting a shot to go to Reno. I think I only had five, six, seven games left in the season. And I was talking to my agent, you know, what, what do you think I should do? And he's like, man, just go ahead, get out of there, you know. So I uh, made the move and it was a good decision. It was fun. Reno, young American coach in, uh, in Ian. Um, great coaching staff with Chris and Casey there and, and some talented players too. And a chance to play in the Western Conference where, you know, on the Eastern Conference you're watching and you're like seeing 1-0, 2-1, unless Red Bull 2 was playing or something like that. And you see like 6-1 or 6-4 or something like that. But outside of that, and then you're looking over at the Western Conference and you're seeing 5-3, you know, 4-4. And I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll go over there. It Strikers looks like there's, dream, some, there's yeah. some chances. There's some chances to be had over there. Um, so went for it, and it was it was awesome. It was a great experience. Um, I scored the goal that that helped us clinch clinch the playoffs. You know, the team had done a lot of the hard work, obviously, before I got there. But you know, the opportunity to clinch the playoffs with a game a game left um, away in Portland, and uh, I scored uh, scored that goal, and. We were set to go to the playoffs. I was excited. Another chance to go in with a team that had a chance to make it out of the out of the conference. And uh, we get to Salt Lake. We're playing. We're going to play away RSL. Kelly, her mom, flying from Florida, and I get a call. I'm I'm about to go pick up Kelly from the airport. I'm I'm at the hotel. I've got the rental car. I'm about to go pick her up from the airport. I get a call from Chris Malinab, the assistant coach, a buddy of mine, and he's like. 
hey man i need you to come up to ian's room really quick i'm like all right well all that i know is that this is not good like he's not bringing me up here to tell me how great i've been doing okay that's that's not how this works so i go up there and i'm sitting there with uh, willie seymour who's on loan from fc cincinnati and they tell us that the league was contacted and that we did not some some rule about how we weren't on the team for long enough or we didn't play enough games in the regular season to be able to play the next day um in the opening round of the playoffs which is a complete load of shit like that doesn't make any sense to anybody like i was on loan i was brought in before the freeze i played before the freeze like you know and and what happened is like these guys said oh well we got a call we got a call so who knows who knows i have my suspicions i'm not gonna air any dirty laundry on who i think it was but i have my suspicions so anyway that was a great way to pick up kelly um and her mom from the airport hey thanks you're, for you're in a great mood <laughs> oh human they they just traveled like nine hours to get to salt lake uh, city and and watch the game and uh yeah i was watching from the stands um but uh you know luckily the team the team ended up winning um you know, like I said, disappointed to not play, but the team ended up winning. And yeah, once once the playoffs ended, I think we got eliminated the next round. And then I was on my way back to Florida. Yeah, no, that is. Uh, I don't, I remember when that happened and being in shock from like the post and all, and just yeah. not understanding how something like that can happen. Um, no sense. You know, I think in sports, there's enough frustrating things to deal with on the field that to have something like that off the field um, added to it is just is just a very difficult situation to overcome, especially after kind of the year that you had of, you know, having the injury, not finding the back yeah. of that going on loan already. I'm sure yeah. very just mentally taxing year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Definitely a disappointing way to end it. But you know, you learn from it and you just try to take on board what you can because you're not the only one who's who's had a hard hard hand dealt to them in professional soccer and you just gotta try and try and move on. So what's what's your move after that? Are you thinking possibly going back to Reno or are you thinking looking somewhere else? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I liked Reno a lot. Like I said, I thought I and you know, the staff it's still they're still there now. Um, you know, Reno has has its own shortcomings as a club just like everybody else, but you know, one thing I knew was that I would improve playing for them and, and I would enjoy playing for them. So I was definitely interested to come back. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why stuff doesn't work out. You know, it didn't end up working out. Um, so, you know, I looked, there were a couple other options uh, within the league, but, you know, when you're a forward who scores two goals in an entire year, you know, you're not going to be like, people aren't going to be banging down your door to try and sign you, you know, yeah. that's just the reality of it. Um, you know, I've been on both sides. So that was the scenario, but I was, I was really fortunate that um, the Cosmos and Joe Barone and, and Carlos Mendez, they, they, they liked me. Um, you know, the guys that I played with during my time in Tampa, like Seba and, and Leo and Hunter, who were really, really Cosmos guys, you know, they, they helped me out a lot, um, put, put in a good word for me. And I ended up signing there on a, on a good deal to, to go be a part of that club. And I, and I was, I was stoked. I was, I was really excited to go. Um, and get up to New York and, and great espresso um, at the training facility. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw a comment yeah, about the yeah. espresso. What's what's yeah, that story? No, no, no. The Italian, the Italians, no. The Italians, no. I I I've drank a lot of coffee. You know, the footy and coffee was perfect for me because I'm I'm big on it. Sweden, you know how it is up there in Scandinavia. The coffee is 
six cups a day and a blank, least, you, don't even, yeah. you don't even know, you know, it's, you're, you're like, like sleep, sleeping, sitting up straight, you don't even know. Um, but the Italians, they, they're like, oh, yeah, we just take another espresso, no problem. So, you know, Danny Satella, Manuel Sembroni, these guys, the Barone brothers, these guys, yeah, my boy Steve, we had a, we had a couple of really nice, uh, really nice trips to, um, God, what was it called? Flux, Flux Coffee. We had a great day over at Flux shout Coffee. Out, shout yeah. out to Flux. Shout out Flux Coffee. Yep. Um, Steve Hamlin. So, yeah, no, great, great coffee experience, but great experience um, from a soccer perspective. Um, enjoyed living in New York. I remember the first weekend I was there, Kelly came up and hotel in the city, you get to experience it there. Um, that was a really good time. Um, but, you know, it, just like everything else, it was crazy how quick it turned around. And I was on, on my way to Memphis, um, you know, within six, six weeks of being there. Um, yeah. So it went quick. Jeez. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that's gotta be a big difference going to New York and playing from living in a cabin in Sweden to yeah. <laughs> New York yeah. city. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy. New York Cosmos is also, I mean, just a historic club. So I'm sure just that experience of being walk into the locker room that, you know, so many great players are hanging on the walls there, I'm sure. And, yeah. and all is a, is a cool memory in your career. I mean, man, it's just, you can feel it when you're there. Um, you know, people talk about it. A lot of the people that are at the club have been there through, through all those, all those players that have, that have come and gone. You know, we had, um, Ansi was there, um, absolute legend um you know captain his country at the euros just peach of the left foot you know i would beg him after training on see come on man serve serve a few balls for me man please um and he he would always do it he would always do it. we called him godiva because this is the balls he'd serve in were like godiva chocolate they were perfect every time <laughs> um so yeah no that was that was awesome and the people there i mean from the, the equipment manager already to, to the players, the guys in the locker room, the coaches was, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And then you head to Memphis, which for those who don't really know, Memphis is actually a really big soccer community. Yeah. Crazy, crazy fans. When the U S national team plays there, they get a crazy amount of fans and everything. Uh, what's yeah. your experience playing in Memphis? I mean, I, I loved, I loved being there. I mean, that city, you would have thought that they've had a club there for the last 15 years. You know, they, they show out. It's, it's a party every game, um, fun atmosphere. Um, the city loves the team, super supportive, always everywhere you go, you know, 901 FC guys, everybody knows you, everybody's supporting you. So it was, it was an awesome place to live. And, you know, another place where there were some really, really cool guys in the locker room. Um, you know, it was funny. I got, <laughs> I was living in an apartment by myself and I get a call from Mulqueen. And he's like, listen, man, I know you're in the apartment by yourself. You got your place, but, you know, we've got a chance to really like strengthen the team. Uh, we've got a kid on loan from Atlanta. He's, he's quality. And I just think it would be a really good situation for, for him. He's, he's only, he's only 19 turning 20. I, I would love to, I would love for him to live with you. Like, what do you think? And I thought about it, I'm like, mm, you know, I kind of want to be by myself. You know, I, I'm, I'm 28 years old. Yeah. And I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be sharing my space anymore. You know, that was, that was fine when I was younger, but not now. And then, you know, thought about it and I was like, all right, you know, whatever, let's, let's go for it. So this kid shows up, pulls up in his Benz, drove from Atlanta, just an absolute goofball. And, uh, yeah, it turned out to be one of my, one of my closest friends, Lagos. And yeah, funny, funny to live with, live with someone who's, who's eight years younger than you. Um, but, but also Jeez. just incredible kid, incredible talent. He's in Phoenix now. Um, but he's, 
it's a shame that the season got cut short, got paused, put on pause because he got off to a good start. He's gonna he's gonna be someone that's that's fun for people to watch. But yeah, no, Lago showed up, and I, I loved my time in Memphis. Yeah, so you get you get to the end of the season in Memphis, um, and then talk through how you come to make the decision you did regarding football. Yeah, I think it was probably like two months, and I thought about it over the off season before. Um, you know, Kelly and I, we, we got this incredible house in, in St. Pete. Um, you know, I'd been just like, if you've been watching, you know, I've been gone from 17 on and, you know, I was going to turn 30 at the end of the year. And I was, you know, I loved playing. I love training every day. Um, but, you know, priorities change, things change in your life where you start to think, okay, you know what? I, yeah, I could keep doing this. Um, I, it's, it's not a, not a question of like losing the fire for it, but, it's a question of, you know, what do you, what are, what are your goals? So I kind of decided at that point, all right, I'm, I think it's the right time for me to, for me to transition and step away. Um, I, I don't think I ever could have envisioned the, the send off that I got um, from the club and from the city. Um, and just, you know, looking back on it, you forget how much time and all the places you've been and all that stuff. You, it just feels like it was a dream. It goes by like that. Um, but then then you're sitting there and there's, you know, the whole stadium is, is going crazy. There's huge banners with your number and, and people are people want to see you and talk to you. And you're just like, you know, OK, this is this is my last go. Um, I was I was really lucky the way it all ended. And I remember walking off the field. I, I stayed out. I must have been out for like 35, 40 minutes after the game. I wanted to take pictures with everybody I could sign everything I could really take it all in. Kelly had flown in, a bunch of my friends and family were, were there. And uh, I walk into the locker room and the locker room's packed. Uh, I was one of the last ones in. And it's packed, you know, the, the coaching staff, um, all the players, everybody's in, um, front office. I mean, there's standing room only and everyone's sitting in their lockers and, and Tim Tim Howard's standing there. Um, and I walk in and sit down and they start talking about the season. Mo Queen starts talking about the season and, and the club's ambitions for the following year and stuff. And then he looks over at me and he's like, yuck. Um, I just want to thank you for what you've done for the club, for the city, what you've meant, um, what you've brought every day. Um, and, you know, we all have such big admiration, respect for what you've done as a player. And, you know, you always have a home here. And we just want to congratulate you on your retirement. He gives me a hug. Tim Howard steps up. And obviously, Tim is dressed to the absolute T. This man's got style. He's the sick suit, you know, the fresh shoes and stuff. And he starts talking. And he, he looks at me and he starts, he starts echoing Tim um, a little bit, you know, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, this is, this is like Tim Howard. Surreal, like, you know? yeah. Yeah, you know, you're just like, this is, this is incredible. And he turns around um, and the kit man, June, throws a ball over the crowd behind him. Tim catches it, he's like, we're all going to sign this ball, man. Uh, we're just, it's for you. Uh, we just can't tell you how much we appreciate your time here. And, and also, I mean, it was, it was, it was about as class of a send off as it gets. So wow. I, I feel really fortunate. I'll cherish that, cherish that memory my whole life. Absolutely. Especially, you know, if you had been a seven year career at one, that club, right. you know, it makes sense. But for them to even do that after one season is incredible. Right. Yeah. Right. 100%. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more, man. You end up retiring. Um, and that was last fall. How, how hard has it been to give it up? How hard was it watching preseason? I think that's, you know, in the, in the off season, it's easy to be retired because you just, you don't have to work out the same as everyone else just grinding mm -hmm. for nothing. But mm -hmm. then you start seeing the photos of preseason and the boys getting back together. Um, yeah. Has it been difficult for you or 
what's your experience so far um you know i i think i think when when the right time comes I, you look you're always gonna miss it like I, I miss it all the time um but i don't miss it from the standpoint of fuck like i wish i was there you know it doesn't it um i think i i had i had a i, I if i wanted anything more i would have been i would have been greedy um, I think a lot of players would, would have been re- extremely happy to have as long of a career and play in as many places as I have. Um, I was very lucky and fortunate to, to do that. So, you know, I, I, I don't have like any sort of fear of fear or, or feelings of missing out on anything. Um, I'm definitely in a place where, yeah, I watch it and, and it's, it's a little bit, you're like, ah, oh, you know, I remember that, but you're also not missing throwing up during the session and preseason, running the beep test, doing all that stuff. You're just like, hey, boys, have a great time out there. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the runs. Enjoy the lifts. Enjoy the enjoy the, the 5.30 a.m. wake up and all that stuff. Um, you know, my life my life is a little bit different. I think it's important when you retire, and you, I'm sure you, you do this as well, as you work out, you know, you train, you're on the field. Um, it's important not to lose that. I think people that, that quit and just – really quit and just hang it up and they're like i don't want to be on the field um that was never going to be me um so soccer is still a big part of my life but yeah you know i i think right now i get my excitement my joy comes from seeing my friends um play watching them perform um seeing the players that you know we represent at the agency play and do well and succeed and and help them in their careers is really fun for me and then obviously just just getting to stay and be a part of a part of what's going on in American soccer, you know, COVID-19 aside, it's, it's really cool. Um, it's fun to be fun to be a part of. And, you know, I'm, I'm in touch with, with all the guys, all the people that I, that I made contact coaches, players, you know, talking to a coach today that I played against, you know, we're, we're texting each other. He's coaching, he's coaching a, a big club and I'm, you know, I'm shooting the shit with him because, you know, we played against each other. We, whatever, you know, it's, it's still fun to be a part of the game. And, you know, for Kelly and I, soccer is a huge part of our life. She coaches, I, I try to coach. And, and like I said, we both play. So. Yeah. You mentioned uh, talking about a little bit about your agency. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a, uh, you know, maybe a little bit different route than others do to stay involved in or around the sport, uh, but just kind of update us on what, what you're doing with in regards to that. Yeah, um, I do need to take a sidebar and say that Kelly did right for me to drink up. So I do have the full green light to drink as many uh, beers on this then, podcast as I want, just to put that out there. No, I, then, then you have to, yeah, you gotta listen yeah, to it. Yeah, gotta, gotta do it. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, the agency is the agency's been awesome. Um, I think, you know, PJ represented me the last three years of my career. Um, you know, he became a friend and he's, he's he was there for me. Um, you know, when things were going great, things weren't going great. He was always there. Um, he helped me out a lot, and you know now he's he's a friend and he's a mentor. Um, he's he's obviously very talented, and and he's you know the reason why players sign with with Highland Sports is because uh, because of him. You know the the way that he goes about his business and the way that people around the league and in American soccer respect how he operates. So that was the reason I signed with him in the first place, and um, you know it's been really really great to work with this guy. Um, obviously, it was a steep learning curve. I think. I, it wasn't something I planned on doing, you know, I, on, I usually would fly and have my car shipped wherever I was going. Um, cause I was, I made up my mind after playing in Sweden, anything over four hours on a bus, I was, I was out. <laughs> in a car. I'm out. I'm flying. I'll meet you there. You want to drive eight hours, knock yourself out. I'll meet you there. I'll be at the airport. You pick me up. Um, but I adopted a dog 
um, this this little this little Memphis Memphis mutt off the streets in Memphis, and he definitely wasn't going on the plane. TSA wasn't going to let this nut job through, so I was like, all right, I got to drive him home. So we had about 13 hours drive from Memphis down to Florida, and you know I called PJ. I left the next day, Saturday night you know, night out with the boys, um, and then Sunday driving home and I'm talking to PJ and I was like, you know, PJ, I know we've never talked about this, but you know, representing players and working with you, you know, that's something I've, I've thought about that, you know, that would be really, really cool. And he was like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, man. I didn't, I didn't want to say anything. You, I didn't say anything because I wanted to enjoy the moments I was having, um, with soccer, but, and he, he wanted to let me enjoy that as well. But the next day we were talking about it and, and it just went from there. He gave me the green light. We were, we were in it and, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome, man. What a, what a, what a cool way to stay in the game and, uh, you know, make an impact and help, help players on their way. Yeah. And I think you, um, especially have just had so many different experiences um i mean you've seen almost every type of thing happen with the club so i think that also um is a benefit to any player that signs with you and your understanding of what they're going through and all of that because you yourself experienced a lot of it through your career um what what as uh as an agent do you think is um kind of what what's the biggest reward that you see out of it yourself through soccer how how does it connect you the most? I think I think my favorite part about it is just you know talking to players every day, um, you know being a part of what they're going through. Like you said, I I understand whether whether it's it's great and they're they're having the time of their lives, um, they're having or they're having problems. You know, a lot of times, and you know this as a player, you know off the on the field, off the field, you know problems go hand in hand. Sometimes you know things can be can be going great on the field and everything off the field is terrific. But, you know, the second things take a dip now off the field, this and this starts to become a red flag in, in your mentality or whatever's going on. You know, I've been through all that stuff. Um, you know, I know what it's like to deal with a difficult manager. I know what it's like when, when you're, when you're stuck making sub appearances, I know what it's like when you're starting and, and things are going well, what you need to do to maintain all those different things um, that, that help me that I think are kind of second nature anyway. Um, and the fact that I've that I've been in their shoes so recently, I think, makes a big difference. You know, I know the landscape. Like you said, I've I've been a lot of different places. I know the landscape and the stuff that they're going through right now. Um, and I think the fact that I was able to hit the ground running so quick um, just set me up to continue to be in that position. You know, and I um, I did, I never took a break from from the game in a sense. You know, I went straight from having my boots on to to making phone calls and, and sending emails and, and doing all that stuff. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying that stuff, and I think I get a lot out of it, and hopefully the guys that I work with get a lot out of it as well. You said you're also doing some coaching? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I haven't been able to, like, get my own team or anything like that um, from a time time constraint issue. You know, it's just right. – it, it, it would be too much at this point. But, you know, I, I try to do individual sessions. Um, you know, I, I've just joined up with, the, with this club in St. Pete called the Aztecs. You know, it's a grassroots soccer club that these guys are giving me the opportunity to be a part of the board and, and, and help really steer the, the direction of the club. Um, and, I, and I'm seeing this as an opportunity to, to really give back to the game. Um, you know, this is, this is something where, as a community, St. Pete is super vibrant from a soccer standpoint. You know, the Rowdies mm-hmm. are here. Everybody loves the Rowdies. But outside of that, everybody loves the game. Um, so, 
so yeah, I think that's that's going to be a big thing for me going forward. And like you said before, you know, I, I never got to live anywhere for more than a year, some months, some change. You know, is now I get the opportunity to be somewhere and and try to build something, um, and and kind of use the use the career I've had on, kind of in that way. You know, kind of use those connections and and what I've got going for me to help help build something here. So I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah, and rumor has it if they they need your fill of watching you score some goals, you're uh, you're <laughs> oh, still playing there. a little with the Astros. Oh, I'm out there, I'm out there, baby, no <laughs> doubt about it. Um, it's it's a great way to stay on, get to play with with some talented players. You know, we've got some some good guys in the group, USF players, um, guys from all over. You know, there's 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 talent, so it's fun to play with them. Um, we've well, only had one game, but it was it was a good time. What was the experience the first time playing now in? so many years where there's no real stress this isn't your career mm -hmm. this isn't what you're worried about i'm sure mm -hmm. it was a, a different experience what was that like so i started playing straight away when i came over here like proper sunday league with uh with rowdiest fc which is out in st pete as well and uh it's just a great group of guys and i think that was a pretty pretty easy transition for me to to get out on the field with them and then, you know, throwing back beers um, on the sideline afterwards and just, you know, enjoy myself. I, I think one thing that you miss the most when you quit and, and I'm, I'm sure you, you felt that, but at the same time, now you've got your own locker rooms to look after um, is, is you get to, you miss the boys, you miss the lads. Um, that's the biggest thing you want to be around the guys and have the, have the banter. Um, someone uh, who, who, will, who will remain nameless asked me what I rate my banter. I'm not going to overrate myself here. I think it's a solid eight and a half out of 10. Um, Jack Blake might not agree, but his, his banter is nowhere near that score unfortunately, See, for him. So I have a feeling that he is partly biased of thinking because he says it with, you know, a British accent that it sounds cheekier and it's proper banter and all that in yeah, America. It covers, it covers up the lack of substance with a little bit of dressing. And that's where he thinks that comes in. Um, but unfortunately for him, you know, I've known him long enough now where I can cut right, just right through that, see right through it. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's, uh, I think it's an unfair advantage for him to have the accent and then comment on your banter. It's not, yeah. it's not level playing field here. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But it's okay. He digs plenty of holes for himself. Um, it's, it's average. So let's see. Hold on. Let's see. Come on. You know who? Oh, that's true. Louie has fantastic banter. You can't doubt it. Louie, forward Madison, he's got great banter. That's true. He lights up a locker room when he walks in with his, with his big egg head. Um, but, he's got class banter. But you're saying 8.5 for yourself? I, I'll give myself an 8.5. Obviously, there's, there's a little curve in there. Some people might want to say that it's better. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I'll, I'll go level 8.5. Now, what about what about someone like J.C. Mack? Where's his banter? Oh, J.C. Mack's banter is, I mean, the, the thing about J.C. and and you know, people that don't know J.C. When you first meet this guy, you are thinking that he is completely off it. He's got, I mean, he is just an absolute lunatic. I lived with this guy. Uh -huh. I slept I slept eight feet away from him for months. Once I got to know J.C., this guy's banter is outrageous. It's class. Um, Eric Leonard says it's a zero. <laughs> when JC wakes up, he's in New Zealand. When he wakes up and sees this, he's going to have it out. We're going to get an, a whole different session with JC trying to get Eric Leonard on an Instagram live. Oh gosh. Yeah. I'll never forget the first day I met JC. He's like going around talking about getting buckets, getting buckets and just, it's all that matters. Get buckets. 
Dude, I would score goals throughout my career. I haven't seen JC for years and years, but we always stay in contact. And I would score a goal. It would be the middle of the night, his time. I would go to bed. I would wake up the next morning and I would just have a text that says, it will always and forever be about buckets, period. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, just an absolute legend. What a baller. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, um, yeah no, I like, though, that you talked about um, – missing like the locker room and everything because yeah. i was actually saying we were talking to another guy who had just retired and he had said that that was the you know a big thing he missed as well and you know for me now as a coach obviously it it changes in the locker room a little bit you can't Nobody, nobody's <laughs> gonna banter you the same way anymore, man. <laughs> no the, the banter yeah. stopped so much yeah now they just sit quietly looking at me and i'm like yep have some reaction come on lock it up come on guys loosen up no way i'm not saying anything that's gonna hurt my chances of being in the team saturday smart I, guys Louis <laughs> said eric might be on the negative for banter and i would say that's, that's pretty fair Honestly, Eric, you know I love you, man. But Louis, Louis's not far off there. I'm a, I would give Eric like a solid two. He's the one who chimes in every once in a while with something dynamite. But outside of that, we're not looking at anything too overwhelming. Yeah, no. I don't know if you can put solid and two in the same <laughs> Solid two. He goes fair. Love that. He love can't. That. He That's can't great. deny it. Um, no. What you've obviously scored a lot of goals through your career. Does one kind of stick out as your favorite? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, one of my favorites, I don't know if it's the favorite, one of my favorites is um, Away to Louisville. Um, that goal was, was you know, we ended up losing the game 2-1. But, you know, like I said, I have tremendous respect for Louisville. I always hated them, hated playing against them. Um, just talented players, kept it tight, chances were at a premium. Um, so I was able to score against them away at Slugger Field, um, which is, you know, people that have been there and seen the, seen that bit um, was not an easy place to play. Now, of course, they're opening up their pretty, uh, pretty top class new facility, yeah, but looks nice. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a dream. It's going to be a dream for, for guys to play there. Um, I think uh, away to Cincinnati um, is, is up there. Um, that was that was a great that was a great game and and a great I was really really proud to score that goal so yeah those those two are up there um, and then I think probably the only other one that would compete would be um, in Oscar Sham you know we were we were fighting we were in a relegation battle that we should have never been in and uh, I came on as a sub 70th minute and ended up scoring in the 92nd minute um, and then the following weekend the same thing happened. I came on as a sub 70th minute and scored in the 91st and we ended up clearing the relegation zone by two points. Oh, wow. um, so those two goals, I'll, I, I'll never forget coming into the training facility the next day and the, the cafeteria lady, she's crying. She hugs me and she, she was just, I mean, I couldn't understand everything. She was, she was talking so fast, but I just, she was, she was just really happy. You know, it meant that the club was going to stay up. Um, and, and everybody's jobs are safe. And that was that, that really meant a lot. So good. I like that. I like that answer. They're good, Thank good you. answers. Um, you've, you've played in a lot of different stadiums. It's kind of a two part question. Uh, one, what's your favorite stadium that you've played in? And then two, what's the favorite atmosphere? Um, that's tough. It kind of puts me on the spot. Um, because my heart is obviously divided between a couple, couple of my favorite favorite destinations i think you can't beat um Lang is amazing um i think 
Toyota Toyota Stadium in Dallas is I mean that was one of the first big ones that I ever got to play in and and I loved it there. Um but atmosphere um is Memphis man what a what a place to play. Um the fans are are just absolutely going at it for 90 minutes doesn't matter what the score is. They're they're going crazy. Um one or two of the best capos in the league for sure. And um, yeah, really, really great atmosphere to play in. So yeah, those those would be it. Did you did you ever put a ball into the water, Al Lang? Um, no, I didn't. Um, I've definitely come close. One or two bounces, either either direction, could have done it. But uh, fortunately for me, and fortunately for Bentley, um, who was usually on the end of going to track down those shots, um, I think if anybody was was putting balls in the water. You'd have to probably look at Leon Taylor was was a was a prime suspect for one or two balls in the water, um, and maybe I don't know. Nanchoff thinks he's got the sweetest left peg um, on, uh, in the United States, which is which is somewhat true. But maybe one or two of those free kicks that he was practicing after training made their way to the water. I, I don't know. You couldn't comment on it. No, no, no. I can't say for sure, but uh, there's there's a possibility. You kind of covered it, but you were talking about the last left uh, peg, and you have yeah. the guy from Cosmos as well. Are you? Um, who is your your number one? Yeah, Ansi had a peach of a left foot. Um, I think I think he's probably got the nicest. I don't want to speak because I, I didn't really go too deep into it. I, Nano's was up there. Nano has a good left foot. I'm sure he's blessing the players at Akron um, with a little bit of, with a little bit of this, a little bit of that, some free kicks during the session and bopping it. He's got, he's got a pretty sweet left foot. Um, Aiden Quinn has a great left foot. I never actually played with Aiden, not since college, but he's got a decent left peg, not the best, certainly not the best, but decent. Um, we'll, we'll give it to Ansi with the best left peg. Um, Nano close second and Aiden's hovering somewhere in that four or five zone. Okay. Okay. Yep. You got fair rankings. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm firm, but I'm fair. Can't say I gotta I gotta evaluate accurately. Uh, we've been we've been calling this time on the podcast kind of calling it separation season. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first time where players are fully on their own, essentially, on how they're going to develop and focusing mainly just on themselves and their individual skill sets. Since you're not training mm-hmm. with the team, uh, mm-hmm. as as an agent what are you doing to try to help facilitate your players growth and development during this time? I mean, when I talk to guys, you know, I want to hear about their routines. I think for the most part, clubs are doing a really good job of keeping guys engaged. Um, you know, there's, they, they've got a packed schedule. I mean, yeah, they're not going into the facility, but it's four, four or five times a week. They're, they're doing zoom workouts. They've got, they, the guys know what they have to do. Um, I think for me, it's just important to be supportive because, you know, when you miss the game, especially guys who have never been injured before, they've never had long layoffs, they've never been this this long without being around the, the club, it can be tough. Um, and I, I totally understand that. So just being there for guys, um, you know, trying to facilitate some mental growth is, is important. Just making sure guys are staying sharp, staying positive, because it's just like with anything, not just in soccer, but with anything, you know, some people are going to come out of the quarantine in a, in a better shape than when it started. And some people are going to be be dropped off. You know, it's a matter of, of which which group you want to fall into. So I just try to urge guys to just stay positive, try to enjoy themselves, um, you know, take the opportunity to spend time with their family. Um, they're obviously stuck with them for the most part anyway, so they have to. But, you know, it's it's not something that, that 
that happens all the time, especially when you're moving around a lot in your career. So I think just try to help guys with, with whatever it is that they're going through in the moment I'm there for. And from a physical, you know, I, I won't sign a player that wouldn't be able to keep themselves in good shape in a situation like this. Anyway, I wouldn't have been repping them in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know, potential guys that I'm signing. I ask them, um, what's your routine in the quarantine? You know, I have phone calls with potential clients and, you know, we're talking to each other about what, what it would be like to work together. One thing I ask is like, what are you doing every day? And if they hit me with, ah, you know, man, I'm playing some Xbox. I'm, I'm hanging out. You know, I work out three times a week. You know, that tells me one thing. If, if they're like, you know what, dude, I'm crushing two a days because I'm just, I just can't wait to get back. Then then that tells me something totally different. Um, so, yeah. 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 We, uh, Fricky was on the show earlier this week and he was talking about, uh, how he had finally now had time to go back and really watch games. Um, Mm -hmm. not just quickly, okay, how did the game go two days ago and looking forward to the next game, but actually go back and really break down areas that he can grow and improve on in individual defending and situations. So Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think there's so many different opportunities and, you know, it's not just one thing that players can be doing. There's so many, Um, opportunities right now for players to really grow and develop in times, you know, that you usually don't have this type of time to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll end with this final question, unless you have anything to add after it. Um, Looking back on your career, obviously you've, you've had a a long career. You've gone, played a lot of different places. Uh, If you could go back to kind of before it all started back in club soccer, um, 15 years old, what, what's the, the main advice you would give yourself? Oof. Um, I don't know, man. I think, I think it would probably, a lot of the advice that, that helped me throughout my career came from my dad and, and he was always there to give it at the right time. I think if I could go back to the start, um, I would, I would just say, just believe in yourself. I think it's easy to, to be insecure about your abilities, especially when you step into a situation where you're, you've got a lot of talented and, and skilled players around you. Um, but at the end of the day, everybody's, everybody started somewhere. Um, everybody's coming from, from the beginning. So it's not about, you know, where that was or, or, or who you were at that moment, but it's about who you are then. Um, so, you know, just, just push on. I think that would be, that would be the the one thing. Luckily I had someone to, to give me that advice along the way anyway, but I would, I would probably give it to myself from the start. Yeah. As my, my mom always says, you know, all of us can even use a spoon properly without being taught. So yeah, they 100. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. I like that one. Yeah, so, that's right. That's right. It's never easy. It's never easy, but no, we're all, we're easy. all in the same starting spot. Um, I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to share uh, your advice, share your story. I think it's, uh, it's one that just shows the grinding mentality that you were willing to, to give, and it allowed you to have a very successful career in the long run. So I appreciate you sharing that with everyone. Dude, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me, dude. It was fun. It was good to see you. Good to catch up. I'm Absolutely. glad everything's going well over there. Keep that Viking beard and that ponytail rocking. <laughs> hey, when's, when's this coming off again on the side? That's Dude, the thing we want to see. With the, the jacket, that's, that's what, what I, I want to see. I'm waiting for it too, but the hairdresser is, you know? Oh, yeah, that's so right. Yeah, I've been, that's right. I've been waiting I don't to have to worry about that. Cut. Dude, yeah, I've, been, no, I've been waiting, so soon it'll be We're all be looking forward to it. Yeah, we're <laughs> looking forward to it. I appreciate it, man. Take care.
All right. Also, little shout out to Afro Afro Man Jax. That's our guy right there. He's been dropping some nice comments the whole time. Just want to say what's up. Thank you for listening. Yep, absolutely. All right, bro. Have a good one. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. All right, see ya. Bye. See ya. Bye.